kind of get started talking about death, dying, heaven, and hell. Um, if you notice at the very beginning, I gave you guys an outline of how it's going to go. In other words, what we're going to be talking about. Um, that outline still exists, but it's not in order. <laughs> Just to let you know. I know that I, once I keep on studying, I start flipping things and, and, and moving things. And, and so we're out of order right now. Um, if you look at the outline, the outline says we're going to talk um, about the intermediate state. Uh, we're not going to talk about the um, intermediate state this morning. Uh, we're going to talk about the body. I think we need to talk about the body before we even get into the intermediate state. And uh, what about the body? Does it carry um, any significance? Is the body important? Is the body not important? After you die, what do we do with the body? Seems like we dispose of it, but, you know, is it really important or is it just absolutely a shell that you live in and then after you die, you don't mess around with it anymore? It's gone. So, just going through some basics. This is what we all know. Your body was created from the dust and will return to the dust. Now, not to get horrifically graphic, but just, you know, mention what takes place of the body when it goes into the ground. Uh, um, Spurgeon says, nobody will fall in love with a body except a worm. Nobody wants a body in the house. Nobody wants the body even above the ground. The body turns into probably the most sickest thing that has taken place on this world. Whenever there is war and lots of death, what happens is disease starts to come. Why? Because the human body gets in such a frightening state that you don't even want to mess with it. Um, it is, just explaining, gross, sick, raunchy. Nobody keeps it. They put it in the ground and it is destroyed, or they cremate it to make sure that, you know, that it is destroyed. But nobody keeps bodies. goes into the earth. Ecclesiastes 3.20 all go to the same place. All came from the dust, and all will return to the dust. So that's where the body goes. And the reason why I got kind of graphic on the sickness of the state of the body is because I would say that the body has importance. I would say that the body has a lot of importance. What kind of importance? Number two, your body will be resurrected at the second coming of Jesus Christ. What's going to happen to this body? This body will be resurrected at the second coming of Jesus Christ. 1 Thessalonians 4.16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with a trumpet call of God, and the dead of Christ will rise first. Sometimes one asks the question, why? <laughs> God, why don't you leave that sick, disgusting object in the ground. Why do you have to bring it up again? Why are you coming to make sure that this is the peak of everything? Just make us new or something. But don't go into the ground and pull something else up. Is there a reason um, that the resurrection is, is so beautiful, so powerful, is so majestic? Uh, Job 19.25 as for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will take his stand on earth, even after my skin is destroyed, yet from my flesh I will see God. God is making a statement that when the resurrection takes place, 
that it, it, your body is going to be completely restored to a point that you will be able to see God. See, what God is doing is God is making a statement that sin and death is going to be wiped out. Sin and death will not win. And I'll tell you that even as the sin has taken you to the grave and put you into the most horrific state that you can possibly even imagine, God says, I just want you to know it's not going to win. And the way I want you to know it's not going to win is you are going to see it come out of the ground. And when you see it come out of the ground, those eyes will be able to see me. You see, you look at the resurrection is, is not just something that is just spoken of flippantly through the Bible. The resurrection is the tip of the sword in the Bible. Because during the resurrection, that is when everything is cleaned up. That is when everything is made whole. That is when you see the power of God in the grandest arena during the resurrection. You see God in the cloud, you say God is absolutely, completely amazing. I will tell you that he is not nearly as amazing. You've not seen it all yet. You haven't seen it all until those who have been buried for 6,000 years all of a sudden rise from the dead. Job 19.26, And though after my skin worms destroy this body, sorry, Job was getting really graphic, kind of like I was, skin, um, worms will destroy the body, yet in my flesh I shall see God. He even makes a statement that what happens, he wouldn't be describing the body of worms being destroyed unless he's talking about the specific body that we have will rise from the dead. And in that same flesh, according to that verse, they will see God. Isaiah 26, 19, your dead will live, their corpses will rise. does not say he will rise. We kind of like to say he will rise. But I think that God is trying to make a statement that remember, I'm cleaning house. And in the power of my resurrection, you will see the entire house clean. And every dirt, every piece of molecule, every square inch of this world will be put back together. And I think that he's saying it, you guys are going to be the worst, and you will be risen to the highest. Your body will be risen to the highest. Um, your corpse will rise. You will lie in the dust. Awake, shout for joy, for your dew is a dew of the dawn, and the earth will give birth to the departed spirits." Looking at some of the Puritans, what they're talking about in the resurrection. At the resurrection, every soul shall have its own body. The same body that dies will rise again. Some hold that they shall be clothed with a new body, but then it would be improper to call it a resurrected body, a resurrection of the body. It should be called a reincarnation of the body. Um, the Bible does not speak of reincarnation. <laughs> But the Bible consistently has this word, resurrection, 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 resurrection. And we often think, okay, resurrection, let's soften that a little bit more. Let's make it um, reincarnation. And the reason why we want to do that is because we've got to, we've got to, we can't come up from where it's taken place before. We've got to look a little more um, um, beautiful than we look now. We've got to look a little more wonderful than we look now. I still think that God is trying to make a statement, you will look more beautiful than you are now. You will look more wonderful than you are now, but the power of me is the power of resurrection. 
not reincarnation. I'm not going to create a new person. You are going to be a person that will be recreated in me, and the tip of the sword of that is the resurrection. Plagueis said some claim that there, is no, that there is a resurrection of the soul, but not of the body, though this makes no sense. How can there be a resurrection of something which has not fallen into the ground and died? Hebrews eleven eighteen. he considered that God is able to raise people even from the dead. June 1, 9, but Michael the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, where was Moses' spirit? Where was Moses' soul? It was, it was with God, because this is, you know, he died. Well, hold on a second. You have Michael the archangel, let's put it this way, a horrifically strong and powerful angel. Where do you put your strongest troops? You put them on the front line, <laughs> maybe? Where is he putting this angel? Well, this angel is over the body of Moses. It's kind of an interesting passage. And what's taking place? The devil which is Satan, is disputing against Michael the archangel about what? A body of Moses? Does, does Moses' body have any significance? Remember, he just went down. He's, he's dead. He's dirt. He's, he's over with. I have no idea what the dynamics of spiritual warfare that's happening over this body, but there's something, spiritual dynamics of spiritual warfare, that is happening over this, this, this body. Um, why? Because I think it carries value. I think it carries, carries some importance. And uh, Charles Spurgeon, An angel standeth night and day to watch each bone and guard each atom, that, all the resurrection, uh, that, that at the resurrection of those bodies with more glory than they had on earth, that someday they will rise and dwell forever to be with the Lord. There's a resurrection that's going to take place, and it is going to be powerful. And I often believe that there's a lot of spiritual warfare that's saying, okay, we've got to make sure that people don't understand this resurrection, that people don't understand what's going to take place at the end because what takes place in the end is going to give more glory to God than anything else that has ever been besides the cross. It's going to give more glory to God ever been because it is the fruit. It is the fruit of the cross. Hebrews eleven thirty-five: Women received back their dead by resurrection and otherwise were tortured not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection. Women received back their dead by resurrection. All right, number, letter B. What is a resurrection? Every molecule of every person still remains on earth and will be put back together in a glorified state. Um, is that sick? Is that powerful? I believe that it is sick and it is beyond our mind when it comes to powerful. Because what we think is we think that people are being absolutely disintegrated, that people are being completely annihilated. And when people are completely annihilated, that the resurrection holds no power, it holds no strength. When the planes flew into September 11th and went into that building, those people all of a sudden were disintegrated. Were they disintegrated, or was every single atom preserved in the power and the beauty of God? We're talking about somebody that's way beyond our head, way beyond our mind. We're talking about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, that has every single molecule, every single atom at the disposal of his power. And when we think things are taking place, um, they might not be, in a sense that the God that we worship 
is big. I had a science um, person talk to me about this, and he says, you know, that, that's right. You cannot destroy molecules. They, they're always there. You cannot destroy matter. Matter always, um, matter exists. And um, so, does matter 5,000 years ago exist? Um, is God over that? Is God watching that? The Bible does not teach reincarnation. The Bible teaches resurrection. Uh, Revelation 20, 12 through 3, we see here the power. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. The dead were judged according to what they had done um, as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead. All right, so um, let's just bring up um, Osama bin Laden. Uh, Osama bin Laden was, uh, his body was done what? It was, it was thrown into the sea. Well, what happens when a sea gets, uh, body gets thrown into the sea? Uh, it gets eaten. So in other words, fish, shark, whatever, will come, and they will grab it, they will eat it, and then what will take place? The fish will then dispose of it. So think of a, a body that has been in the sea for thousands of years. Um, all this body is getting spread where? All the way through the entire sea. Every little molecule, every little particle out there is around the sea. Okay, what happens in the resurrection of the dead? Those that are in the grave will rise, but uh, too bad for those who are in the sea because it's a mess in the sea, and there is no way you can track it. You're correct. There's no way the human mind can track it, but we don't worship a human mind. We worship a God who speaks about what? Speaks about resurrection, and the word resurrection is what? the tip of the sword of God's power. There is going to be nothing more glorious in the state of the resurrection. One of the reasons why I think that we water the resurrection down is because we see Jesus resurrected, but it was only three days. I mean, how bad was his body in three days? It wasn't that bad. God could have put that one together, but he can't put the one together that fell into the sea that has been fish food and sea dust for the last 3,000 years. Um, God speaks, Christ is raised, everybody will be, will be raised. Um, Romans 8.23, not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. What are we waiting for? We're waiting for everything to be redeemed and our bodies will receive that redemption. Let her see. Christ's resurrection is the tip of the sword because it unfolds the glory of God by God putting everything back together at the final resurrection. Everything will be put back together. Uh, my father passed away um, in 2015, and uh, it was uh, um, an interesting experience, and I'll just use a little bit of humor in one of the experiences that we had uh, when he passed away, is that we sat down in the funeral home, and they said, you know, we have a, a lot here that is, is worth about $3,000, and you'd be able to come here. We've got great maintenance people, and uh, they consistently mow the lawn. It's very watered. It's very beautiful. It's in town. And, um, and you're more apt to, you're, you're more welcome to choose that lot. Um, so that's one offer. I've got another offer, and, and uh, this lot is, is not necessarily taken care of. Care of. It's more of a, a country lot, and where volunteers um, come and, and take care of it. It does look a little bit of run down, and, 
and, uh, and with this lot, um, we can't get a backhoe in it, so we hire a grave digger, and what he does is he'll come out with a shovel, and, and he will dig your father's grave, and as he digs your father's grave, then we'll be able to put him in. And uh, so without question, you know, we have three boys, and we said, oh yeah, we want the lot with the grave digger. <laughs> that's, the one, that's the one we want. And um, so sure enough, um, that's the lot that, uh, that we got. And I'll never forget the experience of going out and, and finding my, my father's my father's spot where he was going to rest. Um, we show up there, and as we show up there, this, this one guy shows up, and uh, he's in his 20s, and he's strong, and, and he's, he's, he's buff, and we're looking for a guy named Chuck, I believe it was. And uh, so we look at him and sit, walk up to him and say, so are you, are you Chuck? Because we're supposed to meet somebody Chuck here named Chuck. And he says, no, I'm, I'm not, not Chuck. I'm going um, to, um, he says, I'm not Chuck. I'm waiting for Chuck as well. And uh, I asked him, I said, you're the grave digger, aren't you? He says, um, yeah, I'll be the one that is digging the grave. And I looked at him right in the eyes. And I said, I just want to say thank you so much for digging my father's grave. I, I appreciate that. Sure enough, Chuck showed up. And when uh, he showed up, he was an old man that could uh, um, barely, barely walk. And he was kind of the caretaker of, of the facility. And, and he says, all right, well, pulls out this map that I think was older than him. And uh, says, these are all the plots that are out here. We've got this plot here, and we've got a little plot here, and we can squeeze you into this plot. There's hardly any plots um, that were left. And he says, this is, this is a good plot over here. Let me show you this one, because this plot right over here, he went over by the road. It was actually a horrible plot. But he says, see, there's my tombstone. When I die, that's where I'm going to go. And see, so you can put, you know, your dad can go here. So he's just kind of explaining that. And I'm like, I don't, I, we don't like that plot. We want a, a different plot. And so sure enough, uh, we kept on looking around, and, and I said, well, what about, we said, what about this one right here? He goes, well, let me check and see if, it, if it'll work. He goes, yeah, I think it will work. We just need to, you know, mark it out. And then he called to the grave digger and says, go get your probe. I'm like, go get your probe. What's your probe? And um, so he went out there, and he got this, this metal rod, this skinny metal rod. And he goes, all right, let's see if, where this works. And then he'd take the metal rod, and he'd push it until the metal rod bent. And, he goes, and then what he's doing, he's feeling... Um, um, he was filling the, the caskets um, underneath, or the, the, the concrete, um, what's the word? Un, the vault, the vault underneath. And, um, and he only went down two feet. And I went, whoa, 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 whoa. That's only two feet. I was supposed to be six feet, because I started wondering about this grave that we are going to put my dad in. He says, uh, don't worry, you know, the vault goes down two feet, but then it's four feet. I'm like, oh, okay. So we sat there, and we we probed, and, and then we found out, you know, where we were going to rest, where we were going to rest my dad. So it was, uh, um, I'll just tell you that it was quite, uh, quite the experience, but I would say it was a good experience. Sure enough, we showed up um, during my dad's graveside, and when we showed up at my dad's graveside, um, the whole um, setup was not where my dad's grave was. And so again, we started asking questions like, aren't we going to be where my dad's grave is? And he said, well, actually, the grave isn't completely done uh, it wasn't large enough um, in those things. Um, so the grave's over here, and then we just, we'll just do the, the service here. So sure enough, we um, ended up doing the service. Um, and after we did the service, I walked over to where the, my dad's grave was, and um, it was just a hole. There was no covering over the top of it. It was a hole that was six feet deep. And as I looked into that grave, I thought, this is where my dad will be resting. But there's another thing that hit my mind. Not forever. Not forever. Inside of this grave 
one day it is going to explode. And every single molecule is going to open this grave up again. I see it open now, but it is not, it's going to get closed. It's not always going to remain closed. My dad will rise from the dead. That grave is not the end of him, nor is it the end of his, of his, of his body. 193 million people have been married, have been buried. And um, when they have been buried, you know what's interesting is that uh, um, we have buried everybody facing the east. Um, and I don't think they ask you that question when you go to, um, to a, um, um, a funeral home on what direction you're going to be buried. What they automatically say, or not even automatically say, they automatically put you facing the east. And I remember when the guy was talking to us, Chuck was talking to us, he goes, well, we've got to make sure he face east. And I thought, why do you got to face east? He was not a believer, but right then he said this body is going to be raised. Just by making the body face east, Christ is coming in the east, he is going to rise to that. So what's really, really interesting is that here we have many, many unbelievers that are out there. We're all putting them in the graves to face Christ when he comes, when he comes again. We will all move towards him. This is a statement that we are not recreated. We will be what? Resurrected. Romans eight nineteen. For the anxious longing of creation waits eagerly for the revealing of the sons of God. Creation is waiting for what? They're waiting for a revelation to take place. What is the revelation? The revelation of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, uh, not willingly, but also because of him who subjected it in hope. Um, you know, you can look at this passage, you know, different ways. Often when I read this passage, I think, you know, creation's a little sick of carrying the dead. And one day the sons of God will come and it will be free when that resurrection takes place. That the creation itself will also be set free from the slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of where? The children of God who will rise from it. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. Also in Christ, all will be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, verses consistently talking about the dead. O death, where is your sting? And O grave, where is your victory? John eleven twenty five. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Uh, letter D, the Bible gets a little grumpy if we start in, um, insinuating that people are not raised from the dead. <laughs> um, Paul makes a passage in, in 1 Corinthians. And as Paul is making this passage in 1 Corinthians, uh, people are starting to doubt this resurrection. Why are they doubting the resurrection? Because it's too radical. Um, often Americans think, oh no, it's, we water it down enough that's not radical enough. Well, people that start to perceive it start thinking, no, 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 this resurrection is way too radical, and they were doubting it. Here's Paul's words to those that are doubting it. But if, you, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there will be no resurrection of the dead? Christ was raised, so there will be a resurrection. And he puts all the power in Christ. You say that Christ was raised from the dead? Well, what about the resurrection? It is going to take place. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul is obviously in a bad mood as he's talking to these people. 
And if Christ has not been raised from the dead, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are not found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he has raised Christ from the dead, but, it did, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. If you think he took a body up that was in four days and it was easy to do, no, that's not what we're talking about here. It is not easy to put a body back together. He put Jesus back together, and he'll put everybody else back together um, as well. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all other men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits of those who have fallen asleep, they will rise and receive Christ. Number three, resurrected bodies are characterized as powerful, glorious, and eternal, perfectly suitable for heaven. So we still um, ask the question, okay, I'm going to be raised. Um, am I going to be raised in a body that will die again? Am I going to be raised in a body that is mortal? What will my body, um, what will my body um, look like? Um, it will be completely suitable for heaven, meaning that it will be, um, um, it will be immortal, in, in a sense. Um, and also it comes with uh, power, and it comes glorious. I just want to look at these passages instead of speaking on my own. John twenty twenty six. After eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas with them. Jesus came, and the doors had been shut. And he stood in the midst and said, Peace be with you. Uh, what's this body going to look like? I believe that it is going to look like you and that it will be seen. But there's a passage that is really interesting, that the doors were shut and then God appeared. What did Jesus look like? He looked like himself, but it also comes with this power that, oh my goodness, all of a sudden he what? Just um, appeared. Luke twenty four thirty six. While they were telling these things, he himself stood in their midst said to them, peace be with you. So again, he just appeared. Now, since he just appeared, people are thinking, the disciples are thinking, is he a ghost? Is he a spirit? Well, this answers the question. But they are startled and frightened and thought that they were seeing a spirit or a ghost, another translation says. And he said to them, why are you so troubled? And why do you doubt? Uh, why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and see my feet. That is my eye myself. Touch me and see, for the Spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. There's a sense of the resurrection of Christ that people saw him, they could touch him, they could feel him, but also a sense that almost had this power. We're going to talk a little bit about this when we get to heaven, because we don't know exactly what kind of power, but we can read in between the lines a little bit that all of a sudden he just um, appeared. Now, can my body all of a sudden just appear um, whenever I want? Not now, but when I'm raised from the dead in my same body, can it do something like that? Hmm, it's interesting because according to this verse, this is what Jesus ended up doing. Philippians 3.21, who will transform the body of a humble state into conformality with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. And then 1 Corinthians 15, for this perishable must put on the imperishable. And this mortal must put on immortality. 
but when the perishable will have put on the imperishable and the mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your sting? And O grave, where is your victory? You see um, a resurrection, but you also see a put on that's taken place. It's not being recreated. It's being resurrected and, and put on in the process of what is happening. What are they putting on in the process? We have a perishable body, but we will put on the imperishable body. We have an immortal body, but we'll put on the immortal body. Those are the things that we'll be clothed with when we receive, um, when we receive our new bodies. Uh, number four, resurrected bodies are visible, recognizable, uh, carrying, carrying earthly scars, and can be touched. So what does our bodies um, look like? You know, just in a sense of, of reading Scripture, guessing, filling in the, blank, the blanks of what's there. Our bodies will be um, agile, will be nimble. Our bodies will be free from necessity, free from hungry, as Scripture talks about. Our bodies will be immortal. Bodies will be free from labor, uh, free from injuries, free from pain. Bodies will be transparent. Our bodies will um, be warm. They will um, be friendly. And our bodies will be recognizable um, as we're there. But what's interesting is that we will be in body. I think that's what the resurrection is speaking. You will be in body. What will that body look like? It will have ten toes. <laughs> uh, when we see Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God. Being the image of the invisible God, this statement was given to him when he was walking on earth. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Will Jesus have that body for eternity? I believe that Jesus will have that body for eternity. Will we have this body for eternity? I believe that we will have this body for eternity. And the glory that we'll consistently praise God with is the power of the resurrected, of a body that once was dead, but a body that now is alive. John 20, 26, after eight days, his disciples were again inside, and Thomas was with them. Jesus came to, through the doors, see again, he appeared in the doors, having been shut, and stood in their midst, peace be with you, then he said to Thomas, reach here with your finger, and see my hands, and reach here with your hand, and put into my side, and do not, and, and do not be unbelieving, but yet believing, believing that your body is there, believing that your body was resurrected. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, 35. Sorry, I'm rushing a little bit because I want to make sure that you guys are, um, have a chance to talk. Uh, but someone will say, how are the dead raised? And what kind of the body do they come? You fool. That which you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And that which you sow, you do not sow the body which is to be, but a bare grain, perhaps wheat of something else. But God gives it a body just as he wished. And to each of the seed of the body is own. All flesh is not become is not the same flesh, but there is one flesh of men, one flesh of beasts, another flesh of birds, and another fish. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of heaven is one, and the glory of the earth is another. So what is how many bodies are there mentioned? There's a, a lot of bodies. Paul's mentioning there is a there's a human body. There is an animal body. There is a, a fish, you know, has a body. All these bodies um, are mentioned, but they are all bodies. They're all bodies. And so what is our body going to look like? It looks different from uh, a beast. 
Um, it just it, it looks different. But we don't look at a beast and say the beast doesn't have a body and humans do. We look at him, well, we both have the bodies different. So when we come into heaven and we're living in heaven, what is our body going to look like? It will look like us, but it will look a little bit different. There will be those two pieces according to this passage. One will, you know, look like earth, but yet it will look a little bit different. Um, different in what sense? Not different because of skin, not different because of toes, fingers, and hands, but different in power and different in, uh, um, in its immorality and strength. Number five, um, is it okay, according to the Bible, to cremate a deceased one? So I'm just bringing up um, a questions even before we start asking uh, questions, and I'll tell you the reason why I'm bringing up um, questions is because if um, these are questions I often receive when I go to a house, and I've had, um, I say I have three times that, um, that there was fear um, in somebody because they were deciding to cremate, and they're like, this is not good. I'm concerned about this. Is this, what does the Bible say, you know, about this? Because the Bible, or the body is going to resurrect, and if the body is going to resurrect, how can you annihilate um, the body? Um, the question would be, um, is it easier to resurrect a body from the grave, or is it easier to resurrect a body who has been um, done in, in ashes, has been cremated? Um, the God that we're dealing with <laughs> is big enough that I don't think it really, I don't think it, it really um, makes um, a difference. Um, but what's interesting is I've been to Africa, and um, if I said that I, we cremated bodies, they would look at me as a pagan from the pit of hell, <laughs> just in a sense. You're preaching the Bible, and you do what to the bodies? If we talk to somebody that was a Muslim, and they said, I cannot believe what Christians will do to a body. I cannot believe what people do. You're supposed to treat a body like it is living, in a sense that you put it in the grave, you treat it correctly. In Africa, uh, what they do is they dress the body, treat it very, very carefully. They, make, they turn it completely white. You have the white paint or whatever it is. The reason why I know is because whenever um, somebody that I know dies in Africa, they take a picture of his body and they send it to me. <laughs> and they do it every time. So I have all these bodies on the phone because it's like, here he is. He's taken care of. It's going to work. It's very, very important to them because they believe that the placement of the body is going to be the placement that they're going to be possibly even in even in, in heaven. So how in the world can you say that you can cremate, that you can um, uh, cremate um, a body? I also went to Israel, and of course I got asked that question. Um, do you believe in cremation? This was somebody that was uh, um, a, re um, a resident of Israel. And um, as soon as um, the per I got asked that question, the, the lead uh, uh, person said, don't answer it. <laughs> because because if, you, if you answer that question, People could be like, "Whoa, this is this is this is crazy, um, this is um, um, absolutely insane." Um, but is it insane? Uh, many people, um, have, pagan religions, have uh, used cremation um, as a practice, and the way that they use cremation as a practice in Hindu is one is that uh, your body has five elements to it: it has water, um, it has air, um, and it has it has earth, it has water, and it has air and it has fire, and the fire that is taking place in the body sends it into a direction into the afterlife. Um, in fact, it has to be, the body has to be washed clean by fire. So that's almost like a, a Hindu religion. 
So if I said to uh, the person in Israel, oh yeah, cremation is no big deal, he would think, are you, are you Hindu? I mean, because he's thinking, he's thinking um, about that. A lot of pagan religions are, are using the, the cremation almost as a religion into, into, the after, into the afterlife. So when you ask the word cremation, it's like, okay, it doesn't sound like a big deal in America. You go to another country, you better watch out in the sense of using cremation. You know, Ebola took place in Sierra Leone, and as Ebola took place in Sierra Leone, what did people do? People were dressed up in, cos- uh, in costumes. They were dressed up in the attire, making sure that they do not get um, that they do not get um, um, they do not get infected by this person who has Ebola. Because if that fluid touches them, they could be infected by Ebola. They would show up and they would say, "Your people probably died of Ebola. I need." your body, their bodies, and don't touch them anymore. Don't dress them, because if you dress them, you're going to be infected with Ebola, and that's why the disease is going crazy. Did you see in the news that five people were murdered as a result of walking up and saying, I wanted a body? You know, it was a huge thing that you are not taking the body, and the disease spread rapidly because they kept the bodies, they're dressing the bodies, and being infected by Ebola as the process. So, um, a lot of people have believed that our bodies are very, very important, and how we place in the grave is very, very important. I would just tell you um, my opinion is if you um, cremated somebody, um, why did you cremate somebody? If you buried somebody, um, why did you bury somebody? What was your motives behind everything um, that you do? Proverbs 16, 2 says, all the ways of man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord does what? Weighs the motives. So if you are um, cremating somebody, um, a loved one, um, because you believe that uh, it has five elements like the Hindus do, I would say you better not be cremating somebody if that is your motive behind it. If you have cremated somebody that you loved um, because um, you chose to do it because it was cheaper, that's your motive. Would I argue over that motive? I wouldn't argue. The reason why I wouldn't argue is because the resurrection of the ash is just as the same as it's going to be the powerful as the resurrection of, of the body. So always think, and what about the person in Africa that dresses the body perfect so they can have a perfect resurrection? Is that worse than cremation? I would say that burial is worse than cremation because his motives are trying to work their way up to heaven. See, so it's all about motives, is what I would say. And I would um, caution people that said, you do not cremate bodies. It is horrible. It is horrific. If you say that, you are making a statement that those who flew into the World Trade Center on September 11th, that they're out of luck. See, what God has done is God said, nobody's out of luck. Nobody's out of luck everything is going to be cleaned up. Everything is going to be taken care of. Don't get really passionate about one thing or passionate about the other. I'm passionate about motives. And during the resurrection, you're going to see an earth that is cleaned up and every grave will be empty. So microphone. Does somebody have a microphone? Sorry, I talk too much. I've been talking way too much this morning. Oh, it's right back, right back there. All right, um, any questions? I know it probably raises um, some questions. Maybe not, but I'm um, sorry I did go fast. I was just looking at, uh, looking at uh, the material. Anybody have a comment, question? Yeah. 
change right here. I don't know, this is a new one. I haven't seen this one before. If you hit that really hard, I think that worked. I think so. They keep, they gave me a new one too, and I couldn't ever turn it off. <laughs> Sorry we're complaining. We're just whiners down here, Nick. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, yeah. My family, we actually ran into this situation. My uncle and aunt, they were wanting to be cremated. And my sister and her husband, they uh, said, well, we can't do that, you know. And so we, we prayed about it. We talked about it, remember? And uh, as I read in the Bible, I agree with you on your motive and everything. It was my, my uncle and aunt's wish. My aunt knew that she was going to you know, be resurrected and everything. My uncle, I was never sure. I shared with him, but I never heard him, you know. But I'm trusting that maybe just before he died, he might have given his heart to the Lord. Mm -hmm. But neither here nor there. As I read in the Bible, I was reading, as you say, resurrected from the sea. And I thought about the people that have died in fires and things like that. And I thought, Okay, if the Lord can resurrect people from the sea, they're, like you say, your molecules and atoms are scattered all over the seas. People that are, have died in fires, their ashes are all, in, all over the world. And uh, martyrs have died, you know, being burned to ashes. And I, and I think, uh, you know, so I think it is the motive if you believe you're going to be resurrected, then I think it would be okay. Yeah. But it was a, we really had to pray about it. And I know some of my family, they thought, you're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, we it, had to really pray and think yeah. about it. And it's okay to think about it. It's okay to pray about it. And as you do it, what's your motive, you know, even behind it? Um, I just um, really want to, um, the largest thing, make the statement that, um, that the resurrection is the tip of the sword entire scripture. And if you ever want to see power, the power is at the cross and the resurrection. And as a result of that power, the final resurrection is kind of come behind it. So whenever you think about, look in the Bible and you think about glory, I'll tell you where to look. <laughs> look at the most amazing piece of glory you've ever seen. And it's at the heartbeat of the resurrection. And that is the, 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 sense, the sense of Scripture. But when we do um, bury our bodies, you know, um, yes, you can contemplate, you can think about, um, but I really encourage you, to, even as you're thinking about these things and wondering and, and pondering about the bodies, um, there's just something about looking at my dad's grave. It says it's going to rise one day. Something about looking at ashes, they are going to rise one day no matter where I sprinkle them. Uh, uh, Melissa's uh, dad... Her uh, uncles and brother and me, we we buried him ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, we dug the the grave our, ourselves, and so we've done both. You know, yeah. uh, I think about the earth; it's going to be made completely new. Everything he's going to re- recreate it, and yet it's going to be. You know, it just boggles the mind. <laughs> it's going to be God's awesome. Power. It's going to be awesome. It is going to be, be awesome. It's going to be radical. It's going to be awesome. 
and it's going to be it's going to be good. Not one grave will remain. And we're going to see it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And Exciting. we're part of we're, it's it's so cool. Yeah. All right, I think we'll let you guys... Oh, go ahead, Ken, and then we'll close up with this. I don't know how many people have read the book, uh, Heaven is for Real, but it really gives a perspective and, and makes you think when the boy goes up, he meets his grandfather, and you know they're, they're questioning whether he really went there or not, and they're showing him pictures of his grandfather in his 60s, I'm, I'm guessing from the tone of the book, and he doesn't recognize him. And somewhere they run across a picture of his grandfather, guessing in the, in the late 30s or whatever of his age. Yeah. And the boy says that's exactly what he looked like. You know, because we always talk about a new body. I mean, some of us that live to be 80, we sure don't want an 80-year-old body when we get to when we're recreated. And then the other one that was really interested is he meets his sister who was never born. And she's a, a young girl. Like I said, you, you don't, they don't tell you what age. You're just you know, guessing around 9, 10 years old. But here was a body that was never you know, physically born, breathed life, yet it's there in heaven, which was really kind of when you start seeing that, it kind of makes your, your thinking change, too, about, you know, life and the abortion issues and all that, you know, that, yeah, that, there's no doubt about it, that is a life before it's born. Heaven will blow us away when we get yeah. there. All right, you guys are dismissed. <laughs>